This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Hello, my friends, and welcome to That's Bangin', a podcast where we celebrate everything great from farm to plate, ship to service, and field to fork. A celebration of everything truly tasty, truly fresh, and truly excellent that's coming off our tiny little island at the moment. That's Bangin' with Chris and Marcus. Yes, indeed, that sums us up perfectly. We are available from everywhere you'd normally get your podcast, and of course, on Headstuff Podcast. We are part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, and we are very excited for the recent launch of Headstuff Plus. Which is awesome. Headstuff Plus is where you get all the bonus content from all the great shows on the network, and it's also a way of supporting your favorite shows and supporting us and supporting Headstuff. It's a good thing. You can sign up for a fiver or as much as you can donate. Yeah, it's brilliant. And we are uploading some bonus content this week. We have a bonus episode to go up, so that's very exciting. It's actually a very good one. I, I really enjoyed recording it, but for a few different reasons, we didn't get it back out in December, so it's going to be coming out on Headstuff Plus uh, hopefully in the next few days. Hopefully in the next we'll few sort days. That out. And me and Marcus have a few great ideas for uh, actually putting up some really cool content. Um, so, Marcus, <laughs> I, I don't know. I want to call it Sleepy Time Food Talks, <laughs> where it's basically me just talking about foods um, in a deep chocolatey voice that you can listen to with your head on the pillow. After a long day working in the fields, <laughs> you know, or walking your dog or whatever the hell you're doing in lockdown. I, I, it's just, you know, talking about bouillabaisse. <laughs> I'm going to sign up. <laughs> or, or I don't know, like, catch you a pepe. Imagine, <laughs> like, that's, I think, you know, that's, if anything, worth the fiver. Just. Absolutely. Just, I shovel the pasta gently into my mouth. <laughs> Tenderly. Yeah, you know, like something like that. But anyway, Headstuff Plus is absolutely fantastic. It's a brilliant way of supporting your favorite shows. And uh, you can follow us on Instagram and we'll be pushing out all the info on where you can sign up. Yeah, that's Bang On Podcast. There you go. So, um, Chris, how's your week been? It's been really good. And this is probably my favorite part. But no, no, we love the guests, actually. Sorry, sorry. We love the guests. But we also love talking about what we ate this week or eating this week. This has been um, a good week. I mean, yeah. post-Valentine's Day. Post-Valentine's Day, yeah. So we ha- we also had a Chinese lu- Lunar New Year. Chinese well, Lunar, Lunar New Year. Lunar New Year, known more, more on the, in these two shores as Chinese New Year. Mm-hmm. And uh, I celebrated by got, having one of my favorite restaurants as a takeaway, M&L Chinese, on, M- um, oh. just off of Connor Street. I think it's Cathedral Street. But uh, fantastic. I know I've never been to China, but I've been informed that this is authentic. Like, well, as, as authentic as you'll get on, on these shores. M&L is, honestly, it's it like it's one of those if you know, you know spots. Yeah. And always, if you go, there's two things you need, which is, of course, the green beans. Of course. The green beans with pork and chili, Szechuan flavors, gorgeous, just really umami. Mm. Um, and then the whole sea bass. Yeah, the sea bass with the soy is just—it's something spectacular. Like it's yeah. just loads of ginger, garlic. Yeah, yeah. Just it looks when it comes out, you're just looking at it, you're staring into its eyes, you're like give me that fucking fish. Yeah, <laughs> I, had a, I had a wonderful, uh, a wonderful meal from Alta. I had the Alta box. Big fan of Alta, which is incredible. Um, they're doing really fantastic stuff in there. It's, uh, we had that for Valentine's Day. It was great, great value as well, and also nice to be supporting an actual genuine new Irish restaurant. Yeah, absolutely. Like Alta, Alta were open for I don't know, maybe a year. Oh, less even, but yeah. maybe six months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've actually been to Alta maybe, tw- I think, twice on my own. Like, I love the place. I love the food. I love the wine. It's just, it's a great place to go to. Like, I'm not, not encouraging you to go out and eat on your own all the time like I do. But, uh, just, I, w- I would actively well, encourage yeah, you to I go suppose, out and eat on your yeah. own. It's the best. But, uh, yeah, I suppose because, yeah, then they come over and the people want to talk to you and all. You feel like, feel like you have friends. What else yeah. did I have, actually? I'm trying to think. Oh, yeah. Do you know where I was, actually? Um, I went to the Honest to Goodness Market. Have you ever been up to it? It's in, no. um, it's in like, Glasnevin and Dush. Dublin and Dush, just, I think it's called. Up in Glasnevin. So they have a load of great, great suppliers in there. McNally Farms is in there. Um, who else is in there? I'm trying to think now off the top of my head. Oh, 
uh, Mud Bakery. Oh, um, Mudder, very good. Just, and then Honest Goodness Wines itself. Like, I think sh- think they open on Thursday night as well, just for a wine shop. But then there's loads of cheese, charcuterie, like amazing stuff. But what I was there for, what I love, I think you know well about this. It's uh, it's on. Uh, they have. I'm going to guess. Their it, original spot is on Francis Street. Is but, it? Uh, yeah. Were you there for the sausage rolls? I was there for the sausage rolls. <laughs> <laughs> the Love and, Ca- Love and Catering is the name of the bakery. It's on Francis Street, but they're there on a Saturday. They're in a Saturday in the honest to goodness market, and I swear to God, it's absolutely insane. Like you, so you just have a line of pastries starting from like your duck pies, all your different pies, beef and Guinness, and uh, like amazing things, and it goes on to your sausages. You have like pork, sage, apple oh. sausages, black pudding sausages. Uh, moving on to like then like the biggest almond cross I've ever seen in my life, and then just like berry tarts and creamy stuff. It's just and like oh my god, actually just to remember another thing, they have this uh, goat cheese rosti. It's insane. Like it's about this size. Things the size of a frisbee. I've seen it. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> Well, one other thing that I cooked this week, which is actually going to lead us quite nicely onto our onto our guest this week, who I'm very excited about, is a, is a dish that I've dubbed Victory Soup. Um, yeah, it's kind of a, a, a Thai Vietnamese Southeast Asian soup. Tons of of garlic, tons of chili. It's kind of hot and sour. It's delicious, but I always make it with different fishes. So yeah. this I've tasted the soup. It's uh, fantastic. So it's, I always make it with pork meatballs, which I flavor differently, mm-hmm. and then. Um, and then a fish. So usually I use some kind of white fish this week. I used like lovely hake mm. and prawns and pork meatballs before I've made it with monkfish. And it's beautiful. You basically poach the fish in this hot, sour, coconutty broth. And it's just wonderful. But the biggest thing is that you use high quality ingredients. Mm. And the, the I suppose segueing onto our guest this week. Yeah. The ma- high quality seafood, so, yeah, I think, is very... The king the of seafood. The, uh, the Poseidon of the fish world. Yeah. Neptune himself. Mm, that, this week, our guest is a chef, restaurateur and fishmonger. The man behind restaurants such as Rock Lobster, Claw, The Seafood Cafe, and that wonderful blue Sutram food truck named the Salty Boy. Salty Boy or Salty Buoy? Salty Buoy. Salty Buoy. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> he, uh, he has been accredited with changing the perception of seafood in Ireland, being named a Falter Ireland food champion in 2016. His company, Sustainable Seafood Ireland, supplies dozens of restaurants with a focus on transparency transparency and traceability. Noss Bongi, welcome to That's Banging. Thanks so much, guys. Brilliant. Thanks for the intro. Amazing. No, it is so good to have you here, man. It's actually, it's a, you know, this is for just to paint the picture of today. It's a gorgeous, sunny day. It's cracking. You know, it's it, like it feels like the serotonin that is being granted by the sun is drifting back into our bodies. And this is the kind of day where the first thing that I, I, look, I think of when I look up at the sky is just grilling sardines or grilling yeah, mackerel. Yeah, 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 and yeah. it's that kind of season. And that must be exciting. Now you're doing so much at the moment. So Loads. <laughs> like, first of all, how are you? What's I'm good. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm, 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 I'm actually really good. Um, some weeks are really good and some weeks are really shit, you know, but um, this week's a good week. It's sunny. I'm, I'm cycling every day now, so keeping healthy. Okay. So obviously, dude, we've kind of mentioned your background a little bit. You have SSI, Sustainable Seafood yep. Ireland. You have a myriad of restaurants under your belt, which unfortunately lead you to current restrictions, as we all know, are closed. Mm. But you, you've kind of, you've come out the other end and you've genuinely done some absolutely incredible stuff. So just to kind of give a bit of an origin story, where did it all start? for you with fish with fish um i suppose just kind of growing up i've always just loved seafood and eating seafood and my dad's egyptian so eating seafood at home would have been a very regular thing for us or even going to the beach and collecting our own mussels and going crab fishing so it was always i suppose i just love to eat fish um, and then when i go away i go to spain i go to portugal i go to france I go anywhere in the world the first thing i do is i just beeline to an oyster bar beeline to anywhere that sells fish or grills fish and i eat it and i love it and it's, i suppose it always just kind of baffled me that um, it just wasn't available here. Yeah. Um, so I suppose that's 
or comes from the female inhabitants. Your dad had restaurants here, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Was there was there a, like a focus on fish in those restaurants? Or? No, no, not at all. Like my dad moved here in the late sixties um, and started opening restaurants um, in Ireland, and you know, like everything from nightclubs to like some people might remember the old Pink Elephant and things like that. I think I was like an old school nightclub in Dublin no in the eighties, nineties, like a topper. You know, it was amazing, like yeah. unreal. Um, they used to freeze all the ice cubes, uh, dye, the, dye all the ice pink and freeze it into little elephants. No way. So every, yeah, I swear <laughs> to God, yeah. Yeah. Like, I can only imagine the hassle for the HSE all over that now. Like, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. talk uh, about hassle. He used, to make, he used to make all the salamis. So in Dublin back then, there were no salamis available, really, uh, you know, proper Italian salamis. So he used to make all the salamis at home in our kitchen. And they'd be all hanging from the ceiling, all the no copas. And uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, all of them. Like, like hundreds of them all hanging from the ceiling. And I only found out recently, the only reason he stopped it because the HSE had found out that um, he was uh, making sausages at home. So yeah. yeah. There's actually um, a fairly well-known Irish restaurant that um, I'm not obviously not going to, I'm not going to be a grass. <laughs> but um, yeah, well, the, the owner one day was like, come here, take a look at this. It just took me into a cupboard and was full of like cured meats. I don't, Beautiful. I don't think he was selling any of them, but I think it was just like a little treat, you know, you'd be just handed I a little I've heard of this place. Envelope of, uh, <laughs> envelope of cured meats. But that's incredible. That's, so you basically grew, I never knew that you grew up around food and grew up in Yeah, I grew, I grew, grew up in the industry, dragged up, like it was never my dad's um, intention, or my mum, they never really wanted us to go into the industry. Um, was it like that classic thing where, you know, you see it a lot in American Asian families. I remember I was talking to the, or watching a, I think it was Roy Choi, mm. where his parents were like, we worked so hard in restaurants so our kids wouldn't have to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> These little bastards running up yeah. back working in the restaurants. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But like from an early age, I started sneaking into the kitchen. The chefs would let me peel prawns or do whatever. Um, and then my dad, I suppose he kind of, you know, when I was about probably 10 or 11, you know, it was very obvious. Yeah. This is what I was going to do. Oh, you were doing this literally as a kid. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like yeah. St- sitting under the granny's table, what, like the, watching the... Kind of, but like it was in a commercial kitchen. I'd be sneaking wow. in the kitchen and, and, yeah. and the lads would let me hide in the fridge and peel prawns and, <laughs> you know, do their mise en place for them. Um, so I, I think my dad just kind of went, you know, he kind of gave me the, the most solid advice he had. He goes, well, if you're going to get into the kitchen, make sure you can cook. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I started and to cook. Did your, did your training as a chef then come through, through the family business or did, like, when, when the Rock Lobster start for you? Was that your first venture into... Uh... No, 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 not all. Um, so I started working in the kitchens and training, doing like my 706, 1, 2 and 3 while still in school. Okay. Um, so I did all my kind of training in George's Bistro and then I went on to the Grey Door and Dobbins Bistro, which would be very kind of well-known bistros back in Ireland a million years ago. Um, so that's why I kind of did my formal stuff before moving to the UK um, to train over there as well. But... Um, yeah, like prior to Rock Lobster, we had a restaurant called Romanza. So when I first came back to Ireland, um, my dad had just opened a restaurant on Lower Leeson Street. It was a Italian restaurant with a wine bar and cocktail. And um, yeah, it was great. It was really good. Um, and it's the same kind of, my dad's format was always, you know, um, great food, but then, you know, pianos and singers and late nights and, you dinner know. Dinner and a show. Dinner and yeah, a show, yeah, yeah, 100%, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we opened that and that was there for about 10 years. Um, and then uh, for one reason or another, drink, drinks and wheels, we sold it. Um, and then went off and opened another restaurant down in Dorada, um, just at the cusp of the recession, which didn't work out. And then came back to Ireland, came back to Dublin, and then um, started with Rock Lobster. I think it was then, yeah. yeah, 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 fantastic. And tell us about Rock Lobster. So, so what was the the idea behind like the lobster? Lobster kind of known as like more of a premium kind of like your your shellfish, and like the thought behind it here is like you know lobster money, like that kind of thing. Like, what was your idea behind when it? Was you first make, it, it was just to make it was make it accessible mm. at the time. Lobster lobster was quite well priced, mm-hmm. um, so you could do a whole lobster for like I think we used to do it for twenty euros okay. for a whole lobster. So it was really easy, and I suppose 
again, it was, I didn't know, I, I didn't, I suppose I wasn't confident enough at that stage to go and just do solely seafood. So I was like, you know, you, you either like lobster, you like steak, you know, it's yeah. hard to, you know, find someone in the middle that doesn't. Um, and that was it. It was make it accessible, fun, loud place where you could go and just get really, you know, great steaks and lobsters and seafood and just, you know, have yeah. the crack. And I suppose, how has it, how has it changed now from like, obviously Rock Lobster then, you, you think you started in Donnybrook and then you moved out to Dundrum. So Dundrum, like, you know, big kind of bigger restaurants down to like, you kind of look at the claws and the seafood cafes there now, they're more small, yeah. kind of like you're doing. I suppose you're not, you're not serving the same amount of people. Well, not, not to say that you're not serving the same amount of people, but it, you know, they're more like humble restaurants. We're kind of doing some just great ingredients. Yeah, absolutely. So like when we started in Donnybrook, it was it was brilliant and was great. And then we got approached by Harvey Nichols um, to go out to Dundrum and take over the restaurant. So obviously we just saw the style. <gasps> Harvey Nichols, oh my God, this is amazing. And uh, we, uh, we did the deal, um, terrible one. And we went out there and we thought that it would be great for our brand. But in actual fact, all I was doing was making Harvey Nichols seem accessible yeah. um, okay. and made us then seem elitist. And yeah. it was exactly what we weren't meant to be. Yeah. Um, so we trundled on there for a couple of years. Um, and it was it was, a bit, it was a massive machine, you know, we had like, oh, it was massive, you know, like all the staff and all, all the rest of it. And I, I spent less and less time with the customers and less and less time with the staff and less and less time with the things. It was just this big beast that I couldn't yeah. enjoy. Um, and then the opportunity to take this tiny hole in the wall mm. came up, um, it and did, it was yeah, is it that was the lovely. original claw? Yeah, the original yeah. claw, yeah. Um, and we were around town, around the part of town, and we we're trying to find a chowder and a and some oysters one day with some tourist fr friends who were over, and I uh, couldn't find any anywhere. And then we found some oysters, and they were terrible, like you know, they were shucked really badly, and they were warm, and they were just terrible, like brutal, embarrassing. Um, and then his little premise came along and it was great. It's exactly what I wanted. You know, I could stand there, I could shuck, I could talk, I could, you know, do my thing and um, and have fun. And um, yeah, so we said, yeah. Brilliant. Um, so I suppose, what, like, what, how long are they at those restaurants closed now? I suppose because they're so small, you haven't been able to open them back up during the last year, really? No, like I took the decision back in March when, it was, when everything closed down. I said I wasn't going to open up until, mm. well, this, uh, until the day, uh, a year later, like, yeah, yeah. Um, which is coming on soon, which I don't see. Well, obviously, mm. I'm not going to get back open. And mm. um, we didn't open up at all during it. Um, I know, I suppose, I'm, you know, my businesses are there a while. I know my business. I know what I need to do to make money. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not going to go in and be as busy as a fool or to lose money. And yeah. seafood's not exactly, you know, it, it can be very, very tricky. And where we are as well, where we're situated, like on the cusp of Temple Bar, you know, we're 50% tourists. Now I know yeah. people will come out to us and they'll support us and we'll do, you know, we'll do flying business for a week or two, but then we'll start to lose money really, really quickly. So I just thought it was just better just to, true. you know, to yeah. focus on my other, like, you know, on, on, on the other aspects of the business and try and give some of the offering from, from there to there and, I suppose, talking about those other parts of your business, SSI, which has turned into this beast. I mean, mm -hmm. like if you follow, um, pretty much any chef in Ireland, and you see them holding up these gargantuan turbots or beautiful prawns or, you know, just the, the top, the, the best of the seafood that basically our waters have to offer, that's coming from you. Like that's, yeah. so SSI, Sustainable Seafood Ireland, when did that kick off? And so what was the I suppose um, back around 2010 or so, um, I started buying little bits and pieces for myself. Um, I was really kind of frustrated that I couldn't get, you know, I'd, be, I'd ask for this or I'd ask for that or, you know, and I just wasn't getting it. Um, and then the fish had handled really badly. And, you know, I had gone out to kind of into Europe and I'd, I'd kind of seen how other nations would treat their fish, you know, like, you know, like, you know, kid gloves and handle it so well. And I was in, um, I think I was in, I was in, I was in Rock Lobster. I remember which, which kitchen I was, in, I was in at the time and my fish leave was coming in. It was late again. 
and it was in this little blue bag and um, I was behind the pass and um, so most passes have half he heaters on them. Yeah. So your man, instead of coming around and, you know, me checking the fish, you know, he, did, he um, literally the room's massive and he stood down the end and the kind of, you know, I don't know what you'd call that, kind of like bowled like, it down and it flew down across the kitchen floor and smacked up against the wall. You're joking. No, I, I was just like, you know what the hell with this? I can do better than that. Yeah. Um, and I burnt my back in the process as I was trying to climb out to the pass <laughs> just to fucking scrangle them. Like. Um, so yeah, I still have the mark in my back to, for the story. But um, yeah, so I said, I, I, I bet you I can do better, better than this. So I started, it was never, SSI's never, was never its purpose to become a company or to be, you know, but I had to become a company to be able to legally buy off boats, etc. Um, and it grew just really organically um, from there, just supplying friends first, you know, that kind of wanted similar stuff. It's like, oh, well, give me a little bit of that and give me a little bit of that. And it just grew really, really kind of organically um, to where it, um, well, where it was. So what was the process of that? Like, how well do you know these fishermen now? Like, are you, is there certain boats that you like, you're, you're friendly with that you'll always buy off? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there's boats all around the country that we buy off all the time. Um, there's other kind of bigger operators and bigger, you know, producers and, and that we buy off as well. Um, so yeah, like, I mean, I've learned the industry you know, while being in the industry, which is um, while owning a business in the industry. So it, it was an odd way to learn it. I have to learn things very, very fast. And I'm still learning yeah. 100% every day. You know, I mean, the most 90% of these businesses are all generational businesses. They've been in it yeah. their entire lives. Like, um, Do you know, it's it's funny though, like kind of just seeing in the last, in the last few years has been such a, I mean, loathe to you the word explosion because it's still growing so fast. But like, the accessibility to high quality fish and the amount of people I know who probably wouldn't have touched fish before are now actually enjoying fish and yeah. cooking fish and eating fish in restaurants. And it's weird because for a tiny island, for a little wet rock on the edge <laughs> of the Atlantic, we don't really have a history of eating that much fish. No, like we don't have a, we don't, we really don't have a history of it. And I suppose a lot of that was kind of taken from us, you know, because um, it wasn't our own country and mm. we, we didn't have the rights over our waters. Yeah, yeah. You know, we weren't allowed to own land within 10 miles of the sea. Oh, really? I never yeah, knew that. Cromwell. Cromwell. Yeah, Cromwell, yeah. I didn't realise that he was just yeah. like, you want to go swimming? Yeah. I don't think so. Like the, like the English <laughs> saw saw the value in, in, in the seas around Ireland way before we, uh, we copped it and they separated us out from it. So, um, but people have been, obviously I'm, I'm very committed to it. I mean, I opened Claw and, and the cafe and stuff with solely a seafood menu because I know Irish people love seafood. Yeah, yeah. And when we, when we go away, you know, we're like, oh, when I was away, I had this and I had calamari <laughs> and I had this and yeah. that. And then, and then we come home and we've had a and cod. It's like, uh -huh. you know, it's, mm. it's, it's such, such a letdown. So I think the, the, the appetite is 100% there for it. It's just, yeah. the, it's just the, you know, and, and I suppose the other part of it is it's always been this posh affair and that's what Claw and the cafe were and Rock Lobster were out to kind of, to dismantle, you know, democratizing seafood. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. it's always this big posh affair. Like you know, like and I'd own restaurants and I'd know a fair bit about seafood, and I would still feel intimidated going into some of them. Yeah. <laughs> you sit there and they pass you over, you know, the, the book about you know three foot deep, you know, and there's the wine list, and mm -hmm. then the brand, you know, the big brown bread comes out. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, oh yeah. shit, this is going to be expensive. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just wanted an oyster in a beer, buddy. Um, oh my god, I'm actually. Like, I, just I should have wanted moistures. I didn't think that would have been. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, have, I didn't have think it's really Have a little shock party. I just had a beer on a Monday morning. I can't, I can't think of anything that Breakfast probably sounds champions. worse than slurping an oyster into a microphone. Just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. delicious. Um, so I heard an interesting kind of theory that one of the reasons we don't eat fish in Ireland is because it was always seen as religious penance. Yeah, a big part of it was. Um, because it's religious penance, we had we had to eat fish on a Friday, mm. but then we didn't have the skill to cook the fish mm. that we had to eat, so we had to eat 
bad fish on a Friday. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. then like years ago, there was a thing called a washboard, which is similar to the salt cod you see, the beautiful yeah. salt cod you see in Spain and Portugal mm-hmm. everywhere. So we had our own version of it here made from blue ling and right, it'd be okay. salted and dried down in Galway and it would be lovely, gorgeous there. Mm. And then it would be onto a horse and cart and brought to Leitrim in the lashings of rain. <laughs> yeah. So by the time it got to there, it was just horrible. And, lovely anymore. And, and then we'd be dipping it, you know, we didn't have the knowledge to rehydrate it and to soak it and get the salt yeah. off. But we just mm. put it straight into the into the milk mm. with some carrots and boil it. And that was and the so kind you're of... like yeah. the salty, fishy... Penance. Do you know what's actually an interesting fact is the link between coddle and fish is that coddle traditionally was um, used, all the leftover scraps of meat that you'd have on a Thursday, mm-hmm. you'd throw into the coddle to get rid of everything so you could have your fish on a Friday because there was no refrigeration. Yeah. So it's an interesting kind of, there's there's all these weird little things about <laughs> kind of, in the same way that um, for years, this is a non-Irish fact, but the, the only alcohol that was readily available or legally available in Iceland was Portuguese red wine. Because in a trade agreement um, between Iceland and their cod, so Portugal was the biggest producer of salt cod, bacalao, um, basically in the trade deal, they got an incredible deal on importing Portuguese red wine. And it was the, the, the deal was so good that it was illegal to drink anything else <laughs> than maybe like Brennavin. So that's it's, it's kind of... Really, that's amazing. Yeah, like, it's like all these kind of idea of, of like salting fish and penance. And yeah, it's kind of just, it's, it's mad when you look at it. Mm. But it's, um, I think that now people are seeing fish as something that they can enjoy. You know, yeah. just... Yeah this beautiful pearlescent piece of cod or monkfish or turbot or even something as humble as an oyster, which funnily enough used to be the big snack in Dublin, didn't it? Absolutely. You can dig down, I think, two foot in any part of uh, Dublin, one, two, three, six, and you'll hit oyster beds immediately because we're just eating them and throwing them away. And then when we built the streets, we just filled in over on top of us. Um, it is, but I mean, it, it's, I mean, the first things that the, met, you know, the first settlers in, on the island ate were oysters and it's very much something part of our DNA. Like, so... It's just, I suppose, we've all, anyone who's had who doesn't like oysters, it's probably just, and they haven't had a, a bad oyster. Mm-hmm. They just had one that wasn't shook properly and it wasn't at the right temperature and yeah. it wasn't, wasn't handled correctly. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's enough to put people off. And yeah. then there's obviously, there's that terrible myth as well about the whole thing of swallowing it whole. Mm-hmm. Um, and then people choke on it and, you know, <laughs> and, then, like, start, you know, and then they start spitting and then, and then of course it's not a pleasurable experience. Like, you know, how can you fit something that size in a hole that size? Yeah, no, so if you, also, like, it's literally, it's the slimiest thing on the planet. If you, if you choke on an oyster, something, like, if it wasn't going to be the oyster, it was going to be literally anything else. Like, it's like your body was looking to take you out. Yeah. But like, you are kind of the the front runner in changing the perception in my eyes and well, a lot of in a lot of i suppose a lot of the the eyes of the kind of the food community of ireland well, you are kind of the person who's flying the flag for irish seafood and it's like you like, kind of let's talk about what you've been doing in the last year ssi have gone from being res- a restaurant supplier to like w- when things locked down mm-hmm. you're in the news quite a bit yeah, um, like, and we're really lucky. I mean, we, 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 you know, we do get great press and, and things like that, which is obviously a huge help and we're so grateful for it. So, yeah, when we first locked down, obviously all the restaurants closed down. We supply, uh, at that stage, about 108 yeah. restaurants um, between right. Ireland, Galway, Cork. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they obviously all closed down. So we had all the stock in the fridge and yeah. I was literally sitting at home, drunk on my couch on Twitter, uh, going, what am I going to do? I remember, yeah. Um, and I put out that kind of, that call to, you know, to arms and um, the public were just amazing. Like everyone just came out from everywhere and just bought all all the seafood. And it was amazing because it got us doing something we, we never, I, I'd always wanted to do retail and to do markets and to be closer to the people because the bigger SSI got, it was like the Rock Lobster thing. Mm. 
you know, I the, the bigger it got, the further I got away from it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. You know, from yeah. what what it was at its core. So in a way, it kind of brought us back down to what it is at its core, what, what it's meant to be at, at its core, mm. and got us out dealing with the public and doing pop up markets around the place and things like that. The support um, was incredible. People, people, own, people queue for hours for uh, on the was there that weekend when you were, when you put out the tweet saying that you were left with thirty thousand euros worth of stock or something. Yeah, like that. so that was the second time, yeah. you know, and it was you know it was it was actually you know it was it was a really hard thing to to have to you know ask again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But people came out from everywhere and people queued for like four and a half hours. Yeah, the, and they came up and she bought a bag. I remember this girl bought a bag of mussels and said, "Seriously, did you actually queue?" Four and a half hours. He goes, yeah. I just wanted to get four and a half hours. Four and a half hours. You got a bag of mussels. Wow. Do you know like one kilo of mussels? Yeah. I think it was um, Park on the Sunday. There was a queue, like before you'd open. There was a queue an hour long before you'd even yeah, open. Just yeah, insane. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the support. I think Irish people are amazing in that way as well, but that they get behind something like, especially when it's local, you know, small business like that, like that, and like, you're in trouble. Like, you know, you're going to supply 110 restaurants that weekend, and then the government says, "No, we're closing up shop on the Friday." Like, you know, 100% go out and support these people. Yeah. It's fantastic that you got that support, but like that's Incredible. that's a story on its own. People like you know, people queue for four hours just to get a bag of mussels. Yeah, insane. like in, in, insane. We're so grateful, and we still see them every week. And they, you know, we do some of these little markets around the place now. And, the, you know, you see the same people every week and we get to know them really well. And, you know, and what you were saying earlier on, Irish people love seafood mm. and they rarely ever buy the same thing twice. It's like, ooh, what's that? Yeah, oh, yeah. I'll have that, I'll have that, I'll have that. Like, and, yeah. and they go crazy. And, you know, and we all have more time to be at home cooking and experimenting with things. So it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's uh, been Am amazing. I correct in saying that now SSR delivering domestically across the whole country? Yes, we went nationwide. Um, so, well, I, I had COVID in the beginning of this. Right. Um, so I was sick. Um, for about 10 days. And then after kind of the first seven of those, I was kind of, I was lucid again. Um, so we built an online website um, at home. Some people um, just sit, and, sit at home drinking lamb sips and you're there. <laughs> well, the, yeah, well, no, it's, yeah, no, it was more to save the empire, to be honest with you. Uh, fear is a great motivator. Yeah. And I've got people that, are, you know, that work uh, with me and stuff that I, I'm, I'm, I'm responsible for them. Like, yeah. um, so if I can see the opportunity to, to not go bust, I'm going to take it. Like, of course. Um, so, yeah, so I, I, Stephen, our operations manager, um, Brilliant guy working with me for years. He was in the factory taking photographs of fish and what's happening to me. And then I was trying to upload them onto a, a website that I was building myself at home, mm -hmm. uh, like a Shopify type thing. Like yeah, you yeah. should have seen it, like a car crash. <laughs> um, but yeah, so and we we've been looking into boxing, and so we're we're zero plastic, and everything's back to earth. And so we'd actually begun the process of looking into that beforehand. So it worked really well. That's when we needed to then start shipping hundreds of boxes, boxes nationwide. Um, we could, yeah. So yeah, next day delivery. That's Same amazing. Like, that's <laughs> absolutely like even talking about the accessibility of fish a couple of years ago. Now you can have a turbot drop to your door <laughs> the next day. Yeah. yeah. Like that's yeah. that's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Like, I like it. and it, it's it's places that really surprise us. You know, like you know, like to, like say Limerick and Athlone, and mm. you know, these are the hot spots of people that are just gagging for a bit of fish. Like, really? Yeah, river, yeah. The River Shannon bed. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're, they're Limerick just, and Athlone. Yeah, the sea of all the water fish. Um, so yeah. So yeah. yeah, do you see Ireland kind of going back to not just being a meat and three veg and actually like fish. Oh, Jesus, yeah. Going back to like actually being democratized, not just your Donegal catch breaded fillet in the freezer, a hundred, fresh fish. A hundred percent. And I think the more, I think, I mean, you know, if you look at that kind of UK model, while it's not working out great for them at the moment, but that, that you know, down around Cornwall and, and that whole side of the coast, mm -hmm. we share the same waters and the same fish, yeah. but they have thriving little villages all the way down. We could have thriving little villages all the way around the coastline of Ireland. Um, supported by the fishing industry, so there's a real opportunity there for us to, you know, to be self self sufficient and also for our small towns to to really benefit from it. 
There is another food podcast on the Headstuff Network that we like to check out, and it's called The Spice Bags. Spice Bags are amazing. It's D and crude. They're kind of, the way we see it is kind of our, uh, our, our good, evil, <laughs> we're the evil twin to their good good twin podcast. I don't know if that's a good way of describing it. I think that's pretty perfect. It's, yeah. Yeah, well, like, they, they literally had the Lord Mayor on last week. So like, you know, you know I don't, the Lord Mayor does this, it doesn't associate with people like us, the Lord Mayor. But uh, they did have the Lord Mayor on and I was checking it out today. Uh, Hazel Chu talks about her growing up Chinese-Irish in Dublin, her culinary passions and her dumpling session. This is the trailer. Spice Bags is a podcast about food in Ireland from an international perspective. Hi, I'm May. I'm an American food writer, and I'm with my friends Blanca, a chef from Spain, and Dee, an Irish food editrix. And we are the Spice Bags, three sassy ladies with a lot to dish up. Join us for the chats. Do you actually go out on the boats when you can? When I can, if you're People ask me this all the time. No, I yeah. do not go fishing. Uh, no, 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 like I've been out. Um, yeah. I've been out, but uh, no, like I mean, it's it's hard work. Like, <laughs> it is. It's it, like you know what I mean. And it's 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 there's nothing comfortable about it no. at, at all. Like especially when you talk about it, you mentioned the kind of the idea of generational business, and you know, it's kind of something that um, I remember being out in King Citric, you know, mm-hmm. seeing. Yeah. You know, which, by the way, shout Great out, to, shout out yeah. to the guys. Yeah, yeah I love like, love them. Absolutely beautiful people, um, yeah. beautiful place. And yeah. looking forward to going back there. But seeing all the crab and lobster fishermen come in and actually just drop drop it straight to them. Mm. And, you know, they they know everyone. They're saying he's third generation, he's fourth generation. That's their boat over there. It's going out to Balscallon Bay yeah. and picking stuff out. And, you know, it's really, yeah. it is this thing that, like, it's vocational. It's familial yeah. in the same way that you grew up in restaurants running around a commercial kitchen peeling prawns in the fridge which kind of you know sounds like romantic child labour a little bit <laughs> it's, it is also that you know these guys probably grew up on a boat they probably yeah. grew, grew up like the men and women who are fishing now yeah I think salt's just in their blood um, like pirates y- like they really are like and most of them are like pirates uh, they're mad they're mad men like um, but yeah it is in their blood and you, you have you have to love it and you have to, mm. it have to be such a part of you to get you to go back out yeah. again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the first time you're like, uh. you, you might be able to answer a fish-related question might for be. me. Is why are most of the fishmongers in markets all around Europe women? Uh, it's it, like in, in Ireland as well, traditionally. Yeah, um, go to the English market in Cork. It's all women. Yeah, 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 fish. yeah, yeah. yeah. It, um, it, it's always just been it's always been the way the men men would be at sea and and then they'd land into the wives and and, and the women would would sell the catch. I think it's this incredible enduring tradition. Like even mm. I remember being in the uh, the Boccaria in mm. Barcelona. Yeah, you just get these incredibly just strong women just being like basically just throwing clams at you. Yeah, and it's, yeah. it's the best thing ever. Like, yeah. it's just like. Yeah. It's it's beautiful. It's a really incredible tradition, you know. Yeah, no, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. And it's a shame because we're losing that. You know, even like the the licenses that down in Moore Street, mm-hmm. um, they all now die with the storeholder because really? they were generational. You pass them on, so that so in the next well, maybe well, please God twenty years, but you know in the next. T- 10 years I would say we'll see that that'll be the end of that um, I suppose that's because they're trying to just get rid of more street in general is it I think trying to get rid of more street in general mm-hmm. and trying to get rid of the the, the existing licenses which is mm-hmm. such a shame mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. it's crying shame yeah, it's iconic that. for them absolutely yeah mm-hmm. but like you know there's issuing more of them than, than taking them out yeah. take, take them away yeah I suppose yeah. Um, going back to Drylands and we were talking about markets a few minutes ago with SSI mm. uh, can you tell us a little bit about that fa- fabulous Citroen food truck yeah absolutely salty boy so I um and the, when the lockdown last time they got uh, got lifted, 
um, I went out to the Avon, a friend of ours um, runs the Avon yeah. out in Blessing. So it was the first time you could get you could leave your county. So we ran out and we took a house out there and um, it just came up in conversation that um, he had one at the back of a at the back of a shed. Um, and I was about eight cans of Guinness in. Um, Mine. Best place to be. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was lovely. And um, yeah, I just said, yeah, listen, I'll, I'll buy it off you if I can. Yeah, and yeah. Um, just took the plunge. Like it was it was definitely risky at the time. Um, but it's worked out. It's, you know, it's... Uh, yeah, the food truck trend just blew up then, like, oh, I suppose throughout the summer with the lockdown. Yeah, absolutely. And, and even now, like, I mean, I know... I know so many people now about to open them and, yeah. and loads of them, you know, they're just <laughs> everywhere. Like, so hopefully, you know, hopefully some legislation kind of comes in to kind of help it, you know, that it's a little bit more easy. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, actually, we've had like James and William from Curabini. Uh, we've had them on. They, they're in the process of opening. Yeah. I have the Sambo Ambo. You have the Salty Bui. Chris it might, might be working on a couple of little projects. <laughs> oh, really? do you th what do you think is is in the on the landscape for for a legislative change? Do you think there's actually going to be a change in like casual trading or maybe designated spaces like for food trucks that's that's what I'd love to see I'd love to see designated spaces and kind of follow that Melbourne um, that's what they have in mm. Melbourne and everyone you know everyone gets a space but it's not necessarily the same space all the time mm -hmm. so you very much have to go onto this app and you look at it and you kind of see who's who's who and who's where mm -hmm. and you kind of follow them around the city and it's it's an amazing thing to them because it's helped them spread out their city to other you know to other parts that are really exciting in, instead of it all just yeah. being clustered in, in together yeah, yeah. so something like that, like that would be amazing I don't know if any of that's in the cards though. I haven't heard anybody. Yeah. I didn't even know about that. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's amazing. That's a really good way to do it. But I don't. I haven't heard any politicians or anyone talking about it whatsoever. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I kind of wonder will Dublin City Council like you know at the moment it's I think at the moment they're they're kind of letting things go a lot more than they used to. So like yeah, wonder now in the next six months now and like you know when things kind of start getting back to normal hopefully are they are, is it going to be as easy just to kind of like pull up outside places and stuff? I don't know. I think they're letting people exist in the grey area mm. a lot more, which is kind of you, you can toe the line a little bit more mm. and get away with it. Is what I found with the Sambo Ambo. Anyway, yeah. you can kind of you know shack up in a place where maybe you wouldn't be allowed before. Yeah. And yeah, but like you know legally. You know, we're allowed because um, it's mobile. It's, it doesn't yeah. need planning and, th and th things of like that. Um, but as you said, it's in the grey line. You know, if you're there for too long, you know, there's an argument to say and all the rest of it. And then there's the health and safety side of it as well. It'd be much better if it was regulated of and course. it was just organised. Um, mm -hmm. So it'd be great to see that um, that forward thinking. Please, lads. Um, Listen, if any government officials are, are listening, hit us up. We, yeah. We'll lead the charge. But I actually think that genuinely... But 100%. The difference between your traditional... And this, not, I'm not in any way shitting on the chip van or the kind of the greasy... Greasy burger. No, they're great. Love no, they're brilliant. I would like. I would actually sweat for a greasy burger right now <laughs> after a nightclub. Feed a pints burger. Done. But the fact that suddenly you have reputable restaurateurs, as you said earlier, somebody who's been named a food hero for seafood actually bringing that like it it brings a different kind of weight to yeah. and I think I mean I think it will up everyone's you know everybody's game will be up even you know the, the the very traditional kind of kind of places you know they'll start doing different types of burgers or better burgers or sourcing their meat differently and sourcing their cheeses and mm -hmm. you know and, and, and buying more local and being more sustainable and, and that's the, that's a winner and then you know we from from this disaster we could have this beautiful food culture that we never existed in Ireland yeah. be born from it mm. Um but yeah, it, I mean, it just it, you know, 
Yeah, absolutely. It's right there. It's just it's just a matter of actually developing it now. I think 100. And speaking of developments, I believe you're working on something very cool at the moment. Now, tell us a little bit about Saltwater Grocery. Yeah, <laughs> so this is the first time I've talked about it. Um, so the Saltwater Grocery, yeah, um, really excited about it. It's going to be in Dum Six in Terranier Village, yeah. um, and it's um, so it's it's a grocery. Obviously, it's a massive part of it. It's fish and seafood, yeah. so huge, big um, kind of um, interactive. Um, seafood space where you can get in and it's you know it's all very forward facing so people can actually get in and get and touch the fish and see the fish and, and be all in and around it mm. yeah. um, but nice. really good great coffee um, the guys in 3FE are um, hooking us up with a really nice machine so nice coffee firehouse are going to do our breads awesome. um, wine and cheese and we've got like five or six different little farmers doing loads of great little veggies for us and stuff Ooh. this sounds amazing oh, yeah all the um, what a buzz yeah it'd be great yeah. um, Carl charcuterie char yeah yeah I know <laughs> <laughs> what can I do? I'm a, I'm a cook. Actually, you um, know, I've seen you making fish sausages and lobster sausage rolls yeah, recently. Yeah. Honestly, I'm so excited to even, I'm salivating saying yeah. those words. So, so involved in saltwater is a really good long-time friend, Carl Whelan from, uh, you know, Carl is, from, from Hang Guy and Luna. He is, he, he, he is like the man. One of the best chefs and like everything he touches yeah. is just, and you know, actually shout out to Carl. Hang Dai has also just done some incredible stuff in uh, in lockdown. It's really completely gone from being one of the best and coolest and most consistent restaurants in Dublin to just completely changing their format to delivery. Yeah. And nailing it. Nailed it. Absolutely nailed, nailed it. it. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's a, like, Carl, if you're listening, we're all massive fans. All absolutely massive fans. Yeah, no, he's, he's yeah, so it's, it's great having him involved in it. And it means that we can cook more and two of us just get very, very excited. So, lobster yeah. um, sausage rolls, ah, let's go make them. You know, we run upstairs and yeah. make lobster sausage rolls. So yeah, lobster sausage rolls. Um, People should be excited about lobster sausage rolls. They're now a thing, like it's, yeah. you know, and then, but the, but the sausages, I'm telling you, like I can't even begin. They are delicious. And I know I'm only, you know, blow my own horn here, but like they were gorgeous. So we did like one um, was just, you know, uh, cod, salmon and prawn with white pepper. Mm. And it was just delicious. Yeah. I mean, I was ate it with like with a really nice French mustard, and it was just scrumptious. And then we did like a kind of, a kind of a more morgues kind of you know spiced um, kind of spice spice, like yeah. 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 And it was just lovely. And I and I had it in the morning with some scrambled eggs beside it. It was just like I'm Do loving you find, this. Um, there's a, an account that I, I don't know if you follow fish butchery. It's yeah, Josh Nyland. Yeah, Josh yeah. Nyland. Yeah. yeah, who is doing that? Like it's it was the first time that I saw fish being turned into charcuterie or. Yeah. Fish. And, yeah. yeah, anything that just wasn't a potted crab or something like that. And yeah, like, treat it like meat. And like I love, and I've borrowed his his expression all the time. Just make fish delicious, because mm. um, that's his, you know that's his kind of approach um, towards it. Um, it's so it's just so exciting that that's actually. Yeah, I, I've always found there's this thing that like you go on Instagram, and say you go to like a, a Parisian baker, and you see this incredible stuff happening, and you're like, I can never get that in Ireland. Then you see Firehouse or Bread Forty One suddenly. It is happening in Ireland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? You yeah. see, like the, the the fish butcher guys, Josh Nadan, You see him doing it, and like, you're like, ah, oh, this only happens in Melbourne. Yeah. And then suddenly, you can get fish sausages and lobster sausage rolls. Yeah. In Ireland. Yeah. So we have a we have a dry aging room going in. Um, no way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just a just just a small one for display, but we need to hang all the sausages. Yeah. Um, and I'm telling you, you're gonna, you're gonna love them. Like, I mean, and yeah, they just 
yeah, I love them. But uh, yeah, so uh, we'll, we'll start aging more and more bits and pieces um, and doing some pastrami's and doing some other really bacons like, and things like that. Stuff like tuna and swordfish, you, you can age quite successfully. They, age, they age, age really well. But I mean, turbot ages beautifully. Pollock really? ages, like Jordan, I'd name sure, mm. um, always ages all the pollock that we send in, uh, in into them. It's it's just, it's it's a beautiful process that, 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 that it goes through. I think there's a, there's a huge concept that, um, you know, sashimi grade or something that has to be super fresh. And actually, no, there are different ways of preserving fish and curing fish or letting it sit in kombu or anything like that that really get the most out of it. And I think Love kombu cure. Oh my God. Love kombu cure. But as as perceptions change of what fish is and sometimes, you know, the, the idea that it's like fresh off the boat is obviously amazing for certain things. But, you know, if the accessibility to dry-aid fish might, becomes a thing, that's inc- like that's an area of food that could expand so but quickly. But it means that we see a, a lot of people think um, the storage of fish at home, I think, is always a challenge. But if you buy a piece of cod and you know that you can get some you know, kombu off the beach and you can wrap your cod in that and leave it in your fridge for two days mm. while it matures and, and, you know, and improves the quality of it, you know, it means that you can, you know, do your shopping and buy your fish and things like that mm. two or three days before you want to use it. People feel that they need to buy it and use it immediately. Not so much with us because they kind of know that it will last a lot longer. But um, yeah, there's that knowledge out there. It's amazing. So if someone is like intimidated about going out and buying a piece of fish this weekend. So like, you know, send someone to the fishmonger now. They want to cook some lovely fish this weekend. They don't usually cook fish at home. What's a simple recipe for someone to pick up a bit? You know, take the reins here. Oh, I mean, there's so, like, there's so many simple recipes. So like, I think definitely speaking to the fishmongers, so like when, I think we do like about four or five markets a week mm-hmm. and all of our mongers are also chefs as well. So they're always on, on, on hand to be able to really give you a, a good tip. Mm-hmm. I suppose, I mean, really just grab any piece of fresh, any piece of fresh fish mm-hmm. and, and just go home and cook it really, really simply. Like the, the thing that people always get wrong is their timing. Mm-hmm. So they... Overcooking. They overcook it because they're waiting for the vegetables to cook. Yeah. So do your veggies and things beforehand and you can reheat them or whatever else you want and then just cook your fish really, really simply. Yeah. Um, don't try and complicate it. Like the, the most simple, you know... Whack yeah. it in the oven. Simple whack, is best. Whack it in the oven is a really simple one. Go grab, go grab a couple of black sole and get your fishmonger to trim them and skin them and just pop them under the grill with a knob of butter on them and take them out six minutes later. Beautiful. Dinner's done. Yeah. Like it is the ultimate fast food. It takes no time to do it. Like, and that's where people make the mistake then because they're cooking potatoes at the same time. And, and the health benefits as well. Super healthy. So Super we, healthy. We, th- this is actually going to lead us very nicely into a section that we call the devil's dessert. Right? This is a section we have every week where we talk to our guest about the whole concept. Is Like we were, we were having a couple of pints one night and Chris just <laughs> turned around to me and said, say the devil's dessert. <laughs> like in a big deep voice. And um, there's the idea. He's like, if the devil comes down to claim your soul and says you can have one more meal on this earth. But what I knew he'd is, say it better than me. So. Yeah. <laughs> what are you having for the devil's dessert? So three course meal. Yeah. Three course meal of whatever the hell you want. It can be nostalgic. It can be junk food. It can be fine dining. But like if you, if like literally walk out of here and somebody's just whips out a gun and says, Sabangi, <laughs> you get one more meal. <laughs> wow. Um, and a three-course meal, though? Yeah. yeah. You can have you can have what you want. <laughs> you can go four-course. You can go six-course, ten-course if you want. Prolonged death. Yeah, prolonged death. I just <laughs> yeah. keep on having a course after like, course. Yeah, I actually want a 7,000-course <laughs> yeah, yeah. meal over the next eight years. <laughs> Ideal. Um, I suppose it has to be the likes of shellfish and then steak. 
Yeah. You know, um, who doesn't like a really, really, really good steak? But start kick it off with a really big freedom air and oh, eat all yeah. your oysters and your yeah. prawns and you know a little bit of Tabasco and some Myros and just sit there and nibble away at that with a bottle of wine for a few hours. Okay, yeah. where where would you where would you have it? Where in the world would yeah. you be sitting there with your big f- seafood tower freedom air? You could be anywhere. Where would you be? Oh, um. Can't remember, outside, I think it's outside Gascon in the south of France, there's um, there's a, um, it's where a pick pole is made. I yeah. can't remember the name of the Longer duck. Yeah. yeah. The, so down there, there's about three or four oyster growers um, on this little row down there. And it's really crab shacky, shacky, shacky type thing. Um, but that's where I'd go. I'd sit on the side of the street down there and I just eat oysters and shellfish. That's all day long it's gorgeous I mean, it's not even it's not even a good looking place to look at yeah. there is water there and it's a shacks and you're on a road um but yeah yeah, yeah. yeah there's a line there it's always so interesting kind of you know like we all have these moments where we we lust after fine dining and caviar and everything yeah. like that do a little bit of caviar when it comes yeah when it comes down to it though like let me be barefoot in the sand yeah yeah somewhere with time. Like I remember being in the Arcachon Basin and you order oysters and some lad just walks into the basin <laughs> in a pair of waders and comes yeah. out with oysters. That's what you want. Oh, yeah. That's what you want. Get love that so much. Like, like love when, that when so we're allowed to travel again, the three of us guys. Jim, oh like, God, mate, I'm out. Like, I'm out. Like, <laughs> watch me do the tag. Uh, can't wait to go and eat. And I suppose then as well, if things go back to normal, where's the first restaurant you're going to visit? Bar your own. Where, where, where's, where, where, where do you love to get some stuff? Not only just seafood, but where do you love to go? Do you know what I love to go? And I've got a really good habit of doing it every Wednesday night on my own because you mentioned eating on your own. I love to eat on my own. Mm. Same. I find it very indulgent yeah. and I feel guilty going home to my wife and kids. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it will be uh, with Stephen and Andrea in... Um, Stephen and Andrea in Mr. Fox? No, not Mr. Fox. Oh, in, uh, um, Spitalfields. Spitalfields. Spitalfields, yeah. Spitalfields, yeah. My first meal will be in Spitalfields. I'll sit, I'll sit up at the bar and I I'll, have, so I'll have the three-course dinner oh. and um, a couple of pints and then uh, a bottle of wine. And <laughs> then maybe a little Negroni and, and, at the end. And a little Negroni at the end. Yeah. Or a little Negroni at the end. Uh, Plus we want to start as well. Yeah, do you know what? It's a, I'm very lucky to have a pub beside Spitalfields and it became basically my, my, my working lunch place yeah. that I'd go down on my own always and you know Declan or Stephen or Andrea will be there and it's just they're such lovely people yeah they are they're, they're, they're great people like, and they're all really good friends and it's just of a Wednesday night you know just on your way home and you can just pop off and just, you know and, and, and just yeah have something really good to eat at the bar oh, I'm so excited to get that back <laughs> so Niall where can we catch the Salty Boy over the next the Salty Boy Salty Boy so Salty <laughs> Boy is going to be um, tonight she's out in Greystones um, so she's in Greystones at the moment on a Saturday, Sunday, Monday mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then it is in Dublin 8 in Digital Hub yeah. on Thursdays and Fridays but I think from next week, you'll be able to catch us outside D6 Wines Ooh. in um, in Dublin 6, just facing the little park there. Yeah, um, Cross, yeah. yeah on Ooh. Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Fantastic. Okay, Fantastic. amazing. Yeah, and, so we'll be uh, seven days. SSI is Dublin 17. You can still go out and get your bits of bobs. You can go out on Saturday and get your bits of bobs. Mm. Um, you can order nationwide. Fantastic. Um, we're still in Airfield um, two days a week. Airfield say two days a week. And Barrow Market uh, one day a week. Um, and then we're back in Clontarf and Herbert Park and Greystones then as well. Uh, and what's the time frame or the timeline on Saltwater Grocery? When can we finally so, get those lobster go- sostrals? Saltwater will open up on the band the t- between the 10th and 15th of March. So absolutely loads going on. Around the corner. Loads going on. <laughs> Honestly, do you know what? It's, it's something that we're very privileged in this podcast to talk to people who who give a fuck about what they're doing. Do who give really, a fuck. Yeah. Who really care and like, 
it, it's incredible every week to to get a bit of a story because obviously you know we know each other for donkeys at this point, mm. but it's like to actually get a bit of the background. It's like it's so inspirational, it's so brilliant what you're doing. So yeah, just thank you so much for coming no, no, onto that spanging. I'm lo- I want all I want to eat now is a plate of oysters. <laughs> oh, so and I might just do that. I might find some oysters. <laughs> and, beers uh, sound good as that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we uh, might just go do that. Yeah. Uh, Nasabangi, thank you so much. Thanks uh, a million. Jones. If you are listening, do make sure to check out SSI, check out the salty buoy, and check out everything that Niall is doing. Follow him on Instagram at. Not Sabongi. There you go. Simple as. <laughs> All right. Super. Not Sabongi is crab claw cracking. <laughs> that's banging. <laughs> this show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.